The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Well, good morning and welcome to the Source of Truth podcast. Thanks for joining us today as we continue in our study in the book of Psalm chapter 2. So if you're going to follow along with us, uh, open up your Bibles to there and we'll take the next few minutes and pick up where we left off last time. And so Psalm chapter 2, I mentioned that when we're moving into Psalm and I started in 2, our website actually already has one we did in in chapter 1, so we're just going to pick up in chapter 2. But a lot of it was reflecting to me. Sunday we preached on this. We've been looking at Acts 4 and it reflected back to the Acts to Psalm 2. And I've just been really reflecting a lot on that chapter. And uh, so we're going to continue in that today. I really hope this is a help. Psalm, to me, the book of Psalms is one of those that truly is a level of encouragement. It's there to encourage and lift up and help. Uh, much of it is, a, is the true transparent uh, relationship between David, uh, King David, and, G- and God and his, and his Savior. And I love this because it's transparent, it's real, it gives us a great insight into how we could be, what, what is the difference between relation and a relationship with God and religion. And so we really hope this is a help and encouragement as we uh, pick up. We started in verse 4. So let me just start. Or we ended in verse 4 yesterday. So let's pick up there. Verse 4, he says, He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet if I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion, I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thy inheritance, and for the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with the rod of iron, and shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. So what we, we see yesterday, or last time, we talked about the idea of the, uh, the emptiness, that the, the, kind of the rage that comes when you're empty and you look at everything the world can offer and it's not there. And, and as, as the rulers of the world continually find a way to get as far away from God and the teachings of the Scripture as they can, we look at God's response. We finish that in verse 4. He sitteth in the heaven. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Simply, he laughs and mocks at them. He looks at their desires. This is an almighty God who created the universe and created these rulers. And he's watching from a distance to an extent, mocking the attempt. And I, I please understand, it's not a distant God. It's one who, he's mocking their desire because these, these aren't people who are searching for truth and he's just kind of, ha, 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 let me hide it from you. These are people who are making an active attempt to get Jesus and God out of our culture, out of our society, and make it, shall we say, a tab illegal and all of these things to be able to follow Jesus. And he's, they're fighting this. And we see this today. It doesn't take much to look around and find people who are mostly due to, they, they have their own agenda. But for whatever reason, they have not found Jesus himself, and so they're fighting it. And it's sad. And we, we look at it, and it is, you know, it's, in other countries, it's an absolute attack on the church, and we knew it happened. You know, Peter told the church, think it not strange concerning the fire trials that are to try you, as some strange thing happening to you. So that's not strange, it's not abnormal. Um, but what we see, as we see in this scenario that uh, we see God's response. And let me give you a simple principle here that I heard, I was listening to a preacher the other day, just a few minutes, and he made a great truth, a great point that sometimes we as, as Christians sometimes miss. 
um, somehow we have this idea that if we're doing right and we're following God and we're right with God, and I don't mean arrogantly ignoring that we're not and we think we are. I mean, honestly, we, we have, we've not offended others, and if we offended others, we try to get it right. As far as we know, to the best of our ability, we're right with God. Um, and, and, yet we, and yet, so we get this idea that if we're there, everything should be great for us and other people should be miserable. I've heard some say this, I'm a Christian, my life should be better than my neighbor's who's not a Christian. And yet sometimes we see the not unsaved neighbor has maybe more money, nicer things. From the exterior, everything seems to be better. And we say, Lord, it doesn't make sense. You know, and, and, then, and then here's what happens. Some say, well, my, my church tells me to give money in the offering plate, and I do, and that's why my neighbor has more money than me. Trust me, if you look at it from the outside, you're going to find yourself very disappointed because uh, they may just have nicer stuff because they have more debt. There could be a lot behind it. But this idea, this wrong humanistic, shall we say, idea that if I'm saved and walking with God, my life should be better than those who aren't, I don't know anywhere in Scripture it's like that. I really don't know anywhere where God has stated that in His Word. I do see that there's going to be times of battle, times where Satan's going to fight us. Now, what we, what we do then is we get this false idea. Well, then wait a minute. Serving God is rough and going away is great. I'm just going to go that direction. And a lot of Christians do that. They walk out of church. They walk out of this. As a matter of fact, just a few days ago, I was listening to a radio broadcast here in Philadelphia. And I think it was Don Deerjano's show. And he was commenting about a, an article that he had read, a study that was done. It was done in 2020. And it was asking people, and he said, actually, this is the first time in history, in American history, that this was true. But the, question, the survey was done across our country at what percentage of the American people consider themselves a member of a specific church. Now, please understand, I mean church by a church, a Catholic church, synagogue, mosque, any religion. House of worship is what they called it. So multiple versions of religion that would be found in our country. So how many of them would consider themselves not a member? Now, they clarified this, which is interesting. Many of these people who stated they're not a member of a church would say, I still consider myself a Christian. I just don't necessarily think church is important, was what the comment was. A very different change from a Christian mindset. It's a bit of a frightening change because church is God's ordained institution. But it came down to the fact, it's the first time in American history that they've been doing this, that the majority of Americans stated they were not somehow a member of some church. Whether they say, I'm a Catholic or I'm a Christian, I go to this kind of church, or you know, I'm Jewish or a Muslim or whatever. 47% of Americans stated they were part of some kind of house of worship, a member of some kind of house of worship, less than the majority. It's the first time, and that was back in 2020. And the key is that's just the direction. where it's, That's not a, a major surprise. And because a lot of people, they look at it, and is it really worth it? And, and, and 2020 made it complicated. It was kind of easy with the way the world's going just to step away and say, well, I can, I can do God on my own. I don't need church. And, and I hope we understand there's so much about church we need. And there is no such thing as a perfect church or perfect anything. But that's what we come for. We come together as broken people to get through the journey together in church. But what happens is we, they, they kind of run to um, the world thinks it's better. Well, the thinking is, well, if the world's, if they're not going to have a problem, everything's going to be good for them. Why would I not want to follow this? Well, can I just give you a second and tell you, ultimately, and, and by the way, this is not jumping against a political party. This is God stating it someday for all of those who have chosen to go against me and chosen to go against me and refuse to follow and are fighting to get God out of the culture. Here's what he said will happen to them. He said, um, verse 5, he shall speak unto them in his wrath. 
he will vex them in his sore displeasure. He said, I have set my king, Jesus, on my holy, holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. He said to Jesus, Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. He says, Jesus, it's all yours. It will be yours at some point. Verse 9, Then what he shall, this is what he shall do to the heathen that refuse to turn to him. Thou shalt break them with the rod of vine, and shall dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Why a potter's vessel? When a potter realizes that the, the vessel they're trying to create is no good, they just break it in pieces, and they eliminate it, and they start over. It did not fit what they wanted. They're trying to mold it. They're trying to do what they can. And it just, for whatever reason, bad clay or whatever, refuses to be molded. They set it aside. They break it down and they start over. That's what he's talking about. Simply what he's stating is, and please understand, what you see in this is the grace of God. He's not doing this immediately. You don't see that happening now. Yeah, you, you see the results of sin and the diseases and things in our world today. You see that because, you know, we make decisions and this is where we are. But... This is not God, you know, throwing his wrath on us. He'll do that one day. But until he does that, he is long-suffering, he is merciful, he is gracious, gracious. And he says, I don't, I'm not doing that yet, and I'm begging you to come to me now. In fact, tomorrow we'll talk about the next few verses. And as he talks about the desire to come back to him. It's easy for us to look at this. And even, I was actually um, praying this morning about this. I said, Lord, help me not to be stuck in thinking that you blessing me is a result of what I think needs to be done. Here's what we say, God, if you're blessing me, then I will have this and I won't have this problem and this will be a blessing. We say, this is the picture of blessing, God's gotta fit it. And when he doesn't, we get frustrated with ourselves, we get nervous with Christianity and, and, and struggle with God. And can I tell you, that's not how it should be. If we're right with God, we'd say, Lord, what are you doing? What are you teaching me? What can I grow in in this area? It's so easy for us to get the wrong view. And, and, and frankly, you can get the wrong view in these verses that this is God. God's anger against the world. And oh, yes, I, I want to see God's wrath. We don't want to see that. As a matter of fact, God places only son, the, the, the king of Zion, on a hill, Cal, Cal, Golgotha, and paid the punishment for your sin and my sin so that we would not have to experience his wrath. He placed his wrath, excuse me, upon his only son on the cross so that we don't have to experience that. You know, one day, there's going to be great wrath of God upon this earth. But until that happens, what God wants us to see is his mercy and his grace. And I, pray, I hope that that's something that we lean upon, that's something we put our trust in, something we follow, something that we find encouraging that we trust upon. You see, the world finds emptiness and it turns into chaos. The, the, the world and its many religious leaders are doing everything they can to get God out of their circles. And, and frankly, they're being pretty successful at it right now. Uh, they're being very good, and it's not a surprise. It's not a surprise because God said, in the last days, perilous times shall come. How do you describe it? To Paul telling Timothy, for um, men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, disobedient, uh, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affections, truce breakers, false accusers, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of self. Man, that is describing this century. It's described much of human nature, to be very honest with you. But it's so much more overt. I mean, my dad grew up telling me, hey, this, you know, when I was growing up, my dad used to tell me that was kind of always thought of in American culture. But to be honest with you, if I were to walk back and look at the history of the 50s, that wasn't as accepted as it is in 2021. We are in a day where the political rulers are pushing against Christian values. Uh, Hollywood makes millions of dollars pushing against Christian values, and a matter of fact, they're still pushing today 
that anybody who does not agree with their sinful agenda should be canceled. That's who we are today. Well, don't be surprised by it. Please remember, God sits in heaven, he looks down. Number one, I do believe that not only does he look down and he laughs and he will have him in derision, I think he looks down brokenhearted, like he did one day when he saw the multitude as a sheep having no shepherd. But he says, you know, you, these ones that will choose not to, and they're causing grief, and they're going against my people one day. I'm not nervous about it. I'm not concerned about it. And that's the comfort we should have by being reminded of the great God who does sit upon the throne of heaven. Takes us back to the last two Sunday nights as we talked about what it looked like to be in the throne room of heaven. Uh, who was in the throne room of heaven and how we could somewhat try to find that description from Revelation 4. And then we looked at a Sunday night about what worship looked like in the throne room of heaven. You know, and, and we are trying in our human minds to take this amazing divine supernatural experience, put it down to human form. It's almost impossible. But what's a great truth. And if you have not listened to those two messages, I hope you do that. Uh, it's a great, great, powerful truth. The last two studies we did in Revelation. Hope it's an encouragement. May, may that there'll be a reminder of the great power and great majesty of God and Jesus our Savior. Well, thanks for joining us today on another episode of the Source of Truth podcast. We truly hope that these studies are a help and encouragement, and we hope maybe you'll share with friends and keep coming back whether you watch this live or watch it archived or listen to it in podcast later. We hope in one of those situations it can be a great help and blessing to you. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next time.